And I just had a very clear intuition that if I do this, I'm going to lose myself. Holding on, letting go. Holding on, Please. letting go. Always know exactly when to Hello and welcome to episode five of Knowing When to Quit. This is the podcast where we explore how we navigate the decision to bring something to a close. Today I'm speaking to Amisha Gadiali, who is a visionary. She is a podcaster, a yoga teacher, and the author of Intuition, a beautiful book that came out last year, which she wrote in a treehouse during the pandemic, which we'll share a little bit more about. I love Amisha's approach to life and especially to knowing when to quit. She will share in this episode her tools about listening to our bodies, to our hearts and our souls. And she'll also share a bit about her own journey with quitting. She originally started her career as a politician and over time has created conventional roots of work for herself. I also wanted to mention that she shared that she's recently also had, an, as she calls it, an epic quitting experience. She was trying to co-found a dream of having a well-being centre and she's decided to quit for many reasons, but I know that's been a big thing for her that's happened recently. And she's also just quit the name of the podcast. So had a total rebrand from The Future is Beautiful to now All That We Are, which is coincidentally also launching today. I'll share all about what Amisha has coming up at the end of the episode and all the ways you can get in contact with her will be in the footnotes. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to support it, you can now buy us a coffee on ko-fi.com forward slash Sarah Wyler. I hope you enjoy the episode. Holding on, letting go. Holding on, Hi Amisha. So nice to have you. So nice to chat to you and see you today. Hi, Sarah. Absolute pleasure to be with you. Well, you are currently in Devon, which I'm very envious of. That's exciting. <laughs> well, you're in big London where they I have am. like people hanging out, playing music. I, I, yeah, I'm missing kind of culture mm-hmm. and and just people that are like doing things from their creativity. Yeah, it, it is a like, it's a bit of a trade-off, isn't it? Like the Devon nature versus the London us, but yes, you get different things. So yeah. we've, we've known each other like five years now, I think. I think we met at the West Lexham, that facilitation weekend. Yes. Is that where we met each other? Yeah. That is so where like, we met each other. I experienced your amazing yoga. I experienced your amazing (laughs) ukulele, getting us all singing and composing and And laughing. You gave me the name of facilitator because I remember you said to me at the end, you're such a silly facilitator. And I was like, facilitator. And then Ah. that became like, you were my kind of genius in that moment that gave it your name. Amazing. I'm I'm glad that me calling you silly (laughs) led to something good. 
a huge compliment. Maybe you didn't mean it as a compliment. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks for seeing me. <laughs> I just love to know, like, what comes up for you when I say, like, when I talk about quitting? Like, what's your relationship with quitting or how do you see it? I was reflecting on this just in the invitation to come and talk about quitting. And what came up for me is that I don't know how often I really like quit something and actually say, okay, I'm stopping this and I'm closing it down. Um, And I sort of, something was sort of coming up. Well, you know, it's because I believe in cycles and it's more like you just follow where the energy is and and so there might be a project and it kind of it loses energy and something else arises and I'll sort of go with that um and I'll feel like well I might come back to the other project so for example with my jewelry label I I never decided that I was stopping my jewelry label but for some reason, the images on my website of all the jewellery just stopped working. And it it never, I never really got around to sort of quite understanding what was wrong with them. So the shop on my website stopped working. And at the same time, I launched my podcast and suddenly there was just no space or energy for the jewellery label. And it's made me kind of go, ah, oh, well, I wasn't quite finished. And there might be like another time in my life where I want to be designing and creating beautiful, sustainable, meaningful products, jewelry. And that then it will still be there and it will be like, oh, it's just time to reopen this treasure chest that was just closed sort of temporarily. And then I was reflecting on whether in fact, I'm just a big hoarder (laughs) and (laughs) can't let go of my projects, even though I haven't had the time or space to to do anything with jewelry for some time. For me, the way that I conceive of like any of my creative projects is that they have their own life and sort of, agenda or desires and they and they kind of have their way with me if you like (laughs) and and they they get me to do things with them and um and that yeah they tend not to say okay I'm done now um it tends to be that other things emerge and I just kind of go with that and you know but I but I'm also aware that it can this could just all be like a a kind of a really just a really like lovely kind of spin on like not letting things go and not closing down things properly <laughs> and and I, I guess my question is for myself in this is does that does that then mean that the, the energy is kind of drained or or does or does it not is that also a concept that we have that oh well like if you haven't sort of ended that thing fully mm-hmm. that the other thing can't kind of fully grow I mean that's definitely true of romantic relationships (laughs) but I don't know if it's true of creative projects well the the way I the analogy I always have is that your phone right you can have apps running in the background 
and it does even if you're not using them they do drain your phone battery so I kind of see that like when projects are kind of even if even if you're not doing anything with them the fact that there is a website or that there is like there hasn't been an end means that it's on some level it's in our consciousness and I, I wonder like you know with your jewelry business do you feel like it has taken up any headspace or energy or is it is it kind of just parked like do you ever think about it is is there a negative impact of it having not been closed down I feel like once a year or once every six months I remember that there is a big bag of jewellery <laughs> that is sitting in my house that I would like not to be sitting in my house anymore yeah. and and actually that I would like the freedom um, because my tastes have changed and what I would like to make now if I was to make more jewellery is different to what I made before and so it does come up kind of actually that it would be really nice to sell give away recycle melt some of that so that that it doesn't exist because there is a slight to do that creeps up of like oh you need to deal with that um and so I feel like where we're getting to with this is that yes I do need to sell give away and mm -hmm. um, let go of that collection and the, and the stock mm -hmm. that I have um, because it might not mean that the jewellery label itself is closed, but that would then free me up to create something that felt very of the now. Yeah, I, I think this is the thing, isn't it? Like, this is a bit of a Marie Kondo concept where she says, you know, anything you look at has a story and a memory. So if there is a bag of stuff that you haven't dealt with, <laughs> every time you go past it, you're going to remember. <laughs> And or it will remind you of what your business and say so like things have energy things like remind us of things and I guess like I, I re I'm really curious to what you said earlier about um that that projects or, or ideas are kind of they do I don't know how you describe like they do you like you you kind of aren't I don't know it's like a co-creation can you describe a bit more about that of how you then how do you experience things coming and leaving you well for me I've always been very like intuitive and things are born very much from like my inner world from my inner garden and it took me a long time to understand that about myself and um and so a lot of my earlier years was sort of having that and then having to kind of rationalize it and make sense of it in a way that I could translate it to to people that were you know curious about what I was up to um, in the in the way that family are curious <laughs> um, and that they they want to understand why are you doing this it makes no sense what um, kind of things were you doing that made no sense well you know I guess I was working always working on things that were visionary um, but I didn't have that language I didn't say well I'm a visionary <laughs> and so and so I was often working on things that didn't have structure that hadn't been done before. And it's taken me now like a lot of time and a lot of amazing mentors and people to, 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 to say like, this is what you do for me to be able to say that without kind of 
well, I did use a funny voice, but you know, without without kind of like owning <laughs> that that you know that one that that one can be visionary, and I, and I and I guess what I believe with that now is that we all carry these these seeds of our our possibility and our creativity and what it is that we want to give to the world like that that lives within us and and the part of our job is to understand what those things are and and to share them with the world to find ways to bring them into form and into projects and so for me when I was working in sustainable fashion when I started my jewelry label that wasn't a thing you couldn't google ethical fashion you couldn't like it wasn't a thing it was just like I was like ah I'd studied politics I was seeing how awful things were in terms of the sweatshops and you know no logo had been written by then but there wasn't a real understanding of what was happening around our clothes and fast fashion had just started and it was feeling really icky for me and and we didn't know it was fast fashion then it's just things were suddenly cheaper you know there was a different kind of relationship and and I got some inner inspiration okay I want to do something that's different to that I want to create something that's meaningful I want to make something that people will treasure and as I do it I want to talk about the fact that that there's this thing happening called fast fashion and that that things that most of the things that we have are made mm. not in this way um, and that that's become normal and so for me I was receiving that information you know somehow before you know it was a thing and then you know the ethical fashion forum had been formed around that time so then I was able to kind of join that become part of that and you know and and, and there we go and movement was built and created I found the others that were also working on that and and there and then you know a move that's how a movement becomes um and I guess it, it's always been like that with the future is beautiful that's your podcast yeah which start yeah. my podcast yeah but it started as a project in 2010 and it was just that we had an election year and I was thinking how I wasn't really that interested in like the, mm. the election and that coming from someone that had studied politics that had worked in the houses of parliament that believed that this was our vehicle I was like hang on if I don't believe that anymore if I don't believe that we can entrust a political party to enact our vision of the world that we want to live in um, and, and trust them to create it that we all have to now be connected to our own visions and how we can create that together in our in our lives and in our communities and so that was just that was how it formed and then it started with a ballot box and then I I asked somebody to build me this ballot box and I asked people to vote with their visions of the world that they wanted to live in and it was a creative activism project in fact that term hadn't been phrased at that point um I just started saying creative activism and then of course it becomes a thing and and so as I was doing that I the, the 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 part for me was getting people to actually answer the question and empowering them to feel like oh what what do, what do I think and then of course everyone would be like oh you know I I don't know it's not for me to say and I'm like yes, yes it, is. It, is, it is it is and then with the podcast so that became a book 
podcast, which is was called The Future We Choose. And then I, I relaunched it as The Future is Beautiful. And then, yeah, this idea of podcasts. And again, at that point, people weren't listening to podcasts in England. It was a very mm. American thing. Um, and but I did listen to them because I love mm. audio. It's just it, it it's really it's it's how I yeah. can take in information and really take it in. And and I was listening to some podcasts and I was finding like, oh, they're they've got good guests, but they're not asking what I want to know. And so again, it just kept coming up like bubbling from the inside, like you have to start a podcast and and then I was like, and it needs to be not polished and it needs to be like really free flowing and it needs to be a space of deep listening without a big agenda. And so all of this stuff was coming. And then, of course, people were like, you can't do that. That doesn't that's not how you do it. You know, this was the time. Bit. I guess all of it, really, like it was the time of the four minute YouTube videos, you know, like that's how you connect to people. And also this idea that I wouldn't prepare loads of questions and that I wouldn't have all this research and, you know, that I was, I was, I was breaking away from what we know to be like journalism, you know, what we know to be how you do an interview, like how a good interview is about knowing everything about that person and having all your questions planned out to the letter. And I was like, but what happens if you pick up on what they say rather than what you want to ask them because it's you know it's your preconceived question and so at that time I didn't have any examples of that and and I just felt like that's what I wanted to do and then you know now it's been four years and and you know people like somebody said to me actually yesterday oh we're doing a course basically teaching people how to like do interviews in the way that you do them and we've used your you as an example, and it's called this. I don't. It wasn't called this. It was called something. And I was like, oh, okay, it's a thing. I didn't know. Yeah. So I guess that's what I that's what I mean. And and what would happen is that the idea would come up in my body. How did that feel? Can you describe it? It always feels really like tingly and expansive and terrifying. <laughs> So it's like a mixture of like this, like, ah, oh, and it makes so much sense to me. It's like the, 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 the way that the intuition kind of comes with it, it's so clear and it's like, ah, oh, obviously it's this. And, and often, often these, these things would come whilst I was like riding in a rickshaw yeah. around India or something like that. And I just, and, you know, in the chaos and, and then I'd be like, ah, oh, da, 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 da. And I'd be like, yes, okay, I get it. And then, well, so that phase would always feel very like light and expansive, but then the next phase of like, the, okay, I'm going to do this. And then you start explaining to people what you're going to do and sort of working out like the logistics and the finances and the, the all of that. And then it would all be very like, <laughs> like tummy crunchy. <laughs> Quit. One of the things that I am, um explore with quitting is that part of being because I think about quitting being a skill we want to get better at and I say part of it is that we choose really carefully what we take on in the first place you know if we're saying yes to everything then we're going to have to quit more things so part of like maybe why it's so hard is because we end up doing things we don't really want to do and I'm really curious with what you've just described whether 
it, was it kind of involuntary like oh okay this is what I'm doing or did you ever go this has come up and it's not for me was there any discernment yeah because there's also loads of those things that have come up um and others of them what I try and do is I try and plant them places oh so God, sometimes if I feel like okay this would be a really cool app or something like now I seed a lot of it in the podcast and I just hope that people someone will take it and but I used to kind of do that just like you know with friends and at dinners and at events and be like oh yeah this would be really cool and just kind of be like it's not mine and um kind of like in this idea that lots of people talk about Elizabeth Gilbert the most like mm. famously but that like a book um or you know a creative idea is just is looking for a host and so if you're open you're going to receive quite a lot of these ideas and then yeah there was definitely a time where I, I have to do all of them and then I realized oh no 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 I yeah pass it on um let That's it really yeah pass it on but I have done some pretty like epic quitting um I mean with politics that was a pretty epic quit mm. I was standing there in the house of parliament at the age of 24 and I was doing well you know there was like um an interest in what in I had to offer and where were I you was, working or what was your role I was working for an MP and okay. um and you know I was looking ahead at like a career you know in mainstream parliamentary politics and I just had a very clear intuition that if I do this I'm going to lose myself like I'm going to become I used, want to use a swear word of some description any four letter word that you want to use <laughs> um, uh, to describe what I felt would happen to me if at the age of 24 I spent my entire life working through the you know the hierarchy and I felt that there would be a point where I got into a place where I had some decision making power but I would have already lost myself. And it was very clear that, and that was a very difficult one to explain to those around me because it was going from something known, stable, um, impressive, you know, like connected to power to something completely made up, <laughs> had none of those other things. And- What did that feel like in your body when you said you just knew, like, again, what is that for you? now that's a very clear it's just a clear like no and it's it now it it doesn't even have any hold on me like there's no anguish it's just like that's a great opportunity not for me you know and mm. and it, and it, it's I can't explain it any other way than there's just like a no and it's like there's there's no way that that can penetrate into me mm. it was not like that before <laughs> <laughs> before it would be very like a battle between the head and and the, the and the body you know a battle between the head and the soul and um and you know and I think also when you're younger as well um and I come from like an Indian family so that you have to kind of explain yourself and um 
and it took me a long time to let it go I still was like going to all of the conferences and doing a lot of the activism work um and then I did the yes to fairer votes um referendum I was a spokesperson for the yes campaign and that broke my heart and and at the same time there was this like oh the Labour Party interested in you becoming an MP do you want to come for dinner and I really was like no and there were and there was quite a lot of that like come you know come come for dinner like this is a really great opportunity for you and that time my body just went no 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 no. like I can't do this um but that was 10 years later you know um and so I feel like that's something I don't know if some people are better at it than others or if it comes a bit with age and knowing oneself or if it comes with releasing our conditioning and Mm. and having that courage to to sort of really say no actually this is who I am and and trusting that you know yeah that there's there's all kinds of different kinds of opportunities and something that I work on with my clients a lot at the moment so I do this beautiful leadership mentoring work and a lot of my clients are women and they're women that are perhaps at childbearing age and they're working out like how do they want to transition their businesses at that time um or maybe it's it's not that but they're just like they just want to slow down they don't want to have to say yes to everything grow 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 make it as big and as you know impactful as possible because they're also really interested in like how can they actually live what they believe and live their values and so that often involves saying no to like really great opportunities or passing really great opportunities on and saying well actually built into my business um, is a four-day week built into my business is not having loads of employees so that I don't have to manage loads of employees and take on the pressure of a big office and and have to be in an office all the time. And perhaps it's also making sure that July and August are off and that I'm not taking on clients that mean that we're going to have to work through the summer. And so with that, you're having to say no to a lot of things. Holding I'd love to pick up on something you said about the anguish and like obviously you said now you know with 10 years later you were able to say no and that was really clear could you describe more about the battle between the head and heart soul body at that time and maybe even a bit about what you were what the pushback was from others because that's a big thing isn't it at that age yeah well I feel like that that battle that we have is that we we live in a very like strong kind of culture and and the culture has sort of ideas of what success is and most of us have that from our families as well of what is the the you know what's important and I come from an immigrant family so then there's also a huge amount of sacrifice and really hard work Mm. that happened in that move that my parents did, which was a dramatic move and created 
dramatically different opportunities for me um, than they had. And so then with that, there's also a pressure. And that's why so many Indian people of my age are doctors, lawyers, Mm -hmm. or really high up in sort of corporate positions, because it's all about creating stability and integrating into a new society and that you want to make the most of that opportunity and I got that like that made sense to me and of course when you're coming from a background where there hasn't been money there hasn't been those kinds of opportunities then you want to make sure that you're growing that for the future and I feel like what's really interesting about this time that we're in is that there's also an understanding that the way that Western society, that dominant culture is, it's so extractive, it's so intense, it's really bad for our mental health and our physical health. And that it's a kind of a trap to to be stuck doing something you don't even really like working crazy hours not getting to see your loved ones to feed something that's actually creating a culture that you don't even want to be the future and so that I feel is something that so many of us have to come into contact with in our own ways And as well as that, we will have the very particular stories of our family and our parents, our grandparents of what what it was that they had to do and also what was important to them, what was the framework that was important for them. You know, for some it's like, well, you have to get married at a certain kind of age. For others, it's like you have to earn this much money. Like, you know, there are these sort of ideas. And then of course, with that, the world's always shifting, right? And the economy has shifted a lot. And so things like owning houses aren't as easy as they used to be. And the London house prices, for example, like it's just a completely different reality to what it was 20, 30 years ago. So we're always kind of having to navigate ourselves in what's now and what we kind of want for the future, not just for our own selves, but for for this sort of bigger picture as well as kind of what's happened in the past. So we're kind of navigating these, all these complex ideas and notions. And and with that, it comes a lot of pressure and, and a lot of, I would say, oh, what's the word? Like, I guess the opposite of freedom and liberation, whatever the word of that is, like that there's, that, that most of us are carrying a story that we have to kind of play out that isn't really that connected to what our heart and soul mm-hmm. wants. Restriction, and maybe? Restrictions, yeah. Yeah, and attachments sometimes to mm-hmm. something that we don't even really want to be attached to um, because it doesn't actually make us feel that alive. And so I feel like navigating all of that and that working for oneself like isn't that easy as well it comes with a whole other set of challenges and so for me like breaking away from 
a salary, a kind of a knowing like this is this is what it what what it is this is what you'll have this is what's possible this is the progression and into a life of, of not knowing <laughs> and, <laughs> and and kind of finding one's way and having to really learn a different relationship with trust but then also realizing that um when I simplify things down that has made me happier but that has been a journey and and then you have to take people on that journey with you that are in your life and they're not always coming from that perspective and so when I remember some of the conversations that I was maybe having with members of my family at the age of 23 24 you know even actually when I was like I'm starting a podcast and they were just like oh god what now (laughs) what is a podcast (laughs) how are you gonna make money (laughs) like you know um and so I guess yeah I guess we are always managing those different those different aspects and if even if you kind of take it into like a much more personal level than that there's a whole thing of actually just being able to listen to your heart listen to your soul listen to your body and that's also something that we haven't been taught to do in our mainstream culture and so you might not even know like what I'm talking about is kind of knowing and still the struggle of quitting the things that were taking up space to to be free to kind of do what I want I knew I wanted to do and actually there's a whole other dynamic of like maybe you're doing something whether it's what you do for work whether it's activities that you're involved in relationships that you're part of that don't feel right but you don't really know what that is because you don't have that relationship with with your inner world to to be able to kind of clearly determine what what you need yeah that's such a beautiful distinction and it also brings us beautifully onto one of the things I wanted to talk to you about which is your book that's just come out which I feel like you lived the lockdown dream writing it (laughs) do you want to share like where you were when you wrote your book yeah (laughs) well you know I think everyone's dream or is is kind of also it, it always you know it has it has other aspects to it and for me I would have like loved to have been with people that I was really close to during that time rather than on my yeah. own but but for writing a book in what was our first ever lockdown when we were like what is this novelty thing <laughs> that will become our lives yeah. <laughs> for an unknown amount of time um I actually was about to go back to Bali and I wanted to stay closer to my parents and I was trying to work out how I could maybe write my book in a place where I was I had space and nature and I asked myself the question how how can I figure this out where do I where can I go and I got in the shower and in the shower I I yeah West Lexham just popped into my mind which is of course where you and I met 
it's a beautiful retreat center in Norfolk highly recommend that you go and they've they've doing some really exciting things to make it really really like a wonderful place to go and it's not just retreats you can just go for holidays and creative breaks and family breaks and all that kind of thing they have these tree houses so I called and said could I come and stay in a tree house and it was actually when things had been cancelled but lockdown hadn't been announced so I kind of got in there and then I thought I'd just be there for a couple of weeks because we all were like Oh, the world's only going to stop for a couple of weeks right? <laughs> and, and then I ended up staying nearly three months and I wrote the book in this tree house and you know there was a lake I was swimming in a lake the weather was incredible yeah yeah and it was it was definitely um a dream amazing so your book's all around intuition and it's I mean it's a beautiful book it's a proper like one you want to have on your coffee tables of like all these images of all these different types of intuition and ways to connect and I think what you were just saying before about people don't really know how to listen to their body to their heart to their soul we don't have those tools do we and that's obviously something you have learned or either intuitively <laughs> learned intuition or but you know now consciously aware of what you do to listen to yourself I'd love you to share for someone who's really new to intuition what are what's the kind of first way in to connecting with yourself in that way? I would say the first way is to believe that there is this thing called intuition, because if you're new to it, you might not really know it exists or you might think it's weird or you might use words like woo woo or strange or funny, you know, like. But actually, to the first bit is just to know that there is this incredible intelligence that lives inside of you and that lives inside of all of us. And it's not weird. Like if you look through history, if you look through different cultures, humans use it. It's like a real thing. And of course, now you have various people in the public eye talking about it as well. And so it's becoming like a thing that we can now believe um, with this sort of dominant Western framing is real and does work. And, and so that's the first way. And then the second thing I would invite you to do is to invite in your intuition. Because if you imagine that you have a friend that has been calling you for years and you never take their calls, <laughs> but still they call, the first thing you need to do is pick up the phone and say, hi, I'm sorry. <laughs> I missed all your calls and I just got your message and I would love to connect. Yeah. Amazing. Reconciliation. That's so, they're really beautiful. Yeah, it's good actually, isn't it? It's like we think they're straight to the action, but actually there's the, the relationship bit first. Yeah. And then what are some of the... I mean, this book is absolutely packed with ideas. I and mean, I looked through it and I was like, wow, I just want to spend, I want to spend weeks exploring this. But what are some of your favorite intuition tools? The, the, the one that, that is often most effective is to write, to free write with a question. And if you're wanting to make a decision or if you're wanting to know something about yourself, so maybe you know is it in my highest right now to quit this job or is it in my highest right now to start 
something else, like start playing the piano now, you know, like what, whatever it is that like you take that question and sit with it for a moment and then just start to write and, and not write in this kind of controlled way, but just let, let the writing happen. Your hands, they come from your heart. Like there's a direct line between your heart down your arm to your hands. And so just letting that, letting that invitation come from that heart space. And you can write a whole load of rubbish as well. It doesn't have to be like something that's good or polished and like, well, what I want to do is, you know, you start writing and, and I would say that you can write like as you're thinking. So, oh, this is really awkward. I don't really know what to say. <laughs> um, why am I having to sit and write this thing? I hate Amisha's book. I'm not sure about intuition, blah, 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 blah. You know, you just like let it, let it all come out. And but with that question, and then maybe you'll get to the bit about the piano or the job or the relationship or and and then you'll surprise yourself. You'll be like, oh, oh, okay, that's how I feel about it. So that's that's a really, a really strong way. Um, and for me, and I feel like this is a good one for the, the times that we're in, is the the taking a question with you, like on a walk in nature. Mm, lovely. And and then, you know, you have the question, you don't think about the question the whole time that you're in nature, you just, you have it loosely there. And it's like an intention for you to have the intuition by the time you arrive back from your walk. And so an example that I have of that is I hosted this this women's summit called style and presence a reclamation of worth of which you were a fantastic part of had 52 women speakers so it was quite a thing to organize and I had a question which was like is this too much can I do this am I taking on too much is this idea mine like for me to take carry out like is this the right timing and so I had that question and I took that question on my walk and the structure that I had in mind for it beforehand was very different. And actually I went on my walk, I let go of the question, I walked through the woods and somewhere towards the end of my walk, it just came and it was like, yes, you can do it. Yes, Diwali is a good time to do it. Here's how you're going to do it make them panels call it the power of creativity the power of blah blah and it just all came and I was like oh, okay wow. great I can do that so it's like inviting in like space for for this information that actually then brings more like ease and creativity and play into into like the way that we do things and then that that takes away the the, the anguish and the stress that mind you know when we so like trying to make decisions from our head it can get so like choppy and with all these like you know you make a list of like pros and cons and you can have like loads of pros and one con but that one con might be more powerful than all the pros yeah. and so it's like you, you kind of we need different ways of doing it I remember a, a boss once saying to me I was trying to decide whether to stay on in the company or go and take a job in Austria. And she said, make a list of the pros and cons and then screw it up and go with your gut. And I just thought <laughs> it was the most beautiful advice. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Like I could talk to you for hours about this and it was so, yeah, I love how you talk about everything and it's been such a treat to listen to. How can people find you? Um, what, like, what have you got coming up or what kind of services are you offering at the moment if people want to work with you? Oh, well, Sarah, thank you so much for this invitation. And um, yeah, when you ask me a question, I tend to just go with it. <laughs> so I love it. That was I, perfect. I, I'm also really curious to learn more about your approach to quitting. But I'm going to mm. listen to your podcast to, to mm. connect with that more. So for me, you can connect with me through amisha.co.uk. And then the podcast is at thefutureisbeautiful.co. And the book is a great place to start. Amazing. I love that your website is just like your first name. <laughs> like, you're so famous. Like, <laughs> you're like Cher, Madonna, Amisha. <laughs> well, I called Brianna. my jewellery label Amisha. And it was that was in I bought that URL in 2005. Oh, wow. And so I guess like because I, I, I just keep evolving the website. Yeah. Which I guess in a way it is like. The, it is a bit like closing it and re, yeah. re, re reopening it but yeah so that's why but yeah Amisha <laughs> I love it I love it you can't go to sarah.com these days can you <laughs> all right cheers Amisha speak to you soon thank you Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. To find out more about Amisha, you can check out her website, amisha.co.uk. And her new website has just been launched for the podcast, All That We Are, at allthatweare.org. She also has, in April, another round of beautiful leadership one-to-one mentoring and a new course called From Me To We, which will be in May She has a gorgeous newsletter, so join that through her website and you'll be kept up to date with everything she's got going on. And of course, you can buy her book, Intuition, which is now available worldwide. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to support us, you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash Sarah Wyler. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Letting go, holding on.